Let's see who Jack Krasinski's been brawling with in Vegas. I'm sure he has upset some security personnel during his time there. He's going to update us on the Vegas Summer League, on Timberwolves News, and on all things Britney Spears. Uh, this is the John Krasinski Show starring, surprisingly, John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our producer. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Thanks to our longtime sponsors, TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME, and All Energy Solar, allenergysolar.com. If you like the show or any show at talknorth.com, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free it's the easiest way to listen, and we do appreciate you listening. All right, John, how many bruises do you have right now? Uh, I I have evaded the Britney Spears hive and and gotten away from it, but I'm sure the bruises are coming. I've been here for three days now, um, and I've somehow walked between the uh, the raindrops a little bit. But I, we all know in Vegas, everyone has their time coming. It's just Victor Wembanyama got his. I'm sure mine is right around the corner. Either your face, your wallet, or your psyche will be damaged while you're in Vegas. It's worth it, though. It's worth it. Uh, I <laughs> let's. What do you make of the Victor Wambanyana experience of the uh, of the? I mean, it feels like he's already a superstar, and he hasn't played in America yet. Yeah, it's um, you know it. Uh, it was a funny kind of rollout for him this week in Vegas with, I mean, with that little Britney Spears controversy or whatever you want to call it, because it's like, welcome to America, Victor. Here it is. It's a, a Mad Libs version of Wembenyama, Britney Spears, uh, confrontation, Las Vegas. And he had to do a media availability the next day and kind of talk through things about it. So it's been a crash course for him. And in some ways, that's probably a good thing to get that out of the way before the real game start. Um, we were recording this on Saturday morning. He played in his first game on Friday night in uh, in Las Vegas. And I got to the Thomas and Mac arena where all the games are being played at about noon Vegas time for a 1.30 Timberwolves game. And uh, Victor Wembanyama didn't tip off for, I believe it was five hours after that noon, my noon arrival. And when I got there, the line out of the arena was just unbelievable. Like, I mean, it, it stretched on for like a, more than a block um, of people wanting to wait to get in, get into the general admission. They got in and they sat through a, the first game that no one had any interest in. Um, from a fan perspective, and then um, and then when Banyama came out and played uh, a little bit later, so it's been all of the hype and and more. And I think Jim, the thing that I've take, taken away from it so far is we have wondered if the NBA has a bit of an issue from a promotional standpoint in terms of a lot of the international players. Uh, becoming the best players in the league, Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, now Victor Wembanyama's coming in, and you wondered how they're you're going to be able to market that in the United States. Uh, typically, European players, foreign players have not been as popular as the American players. But if Friday is any indication, there certainly is an unbelievable amount of excitement and intrigue surrounding Wembanyama and I I think that the league is not going to have any problem 
capitalizing on all of this interest. This is not a guy who um, who people are not connected to, who people don't want to see play or just aren't as excited about. I mean, the Wembenyama hype train is full speed ahead. I almost feel like, and maybe it's because, you know, there are really no borders in terms of uh, following things in other countries. Uh, hype tends to be more international than just national at this point. I almost feel like he's he and the league are benefiting from him being someone who played you know, I mean, he didn't play college here. He didn't play high school here. We don't, you know, I think people were almost sick of LeBron hype before LeBron ever played. And, and that was not LeBron's fault. Um, Jordan kind of benefited from being a mystery, a guy who didn't make his high school team and only played one year in college. And was, you know, I mean, he, I mean, it almost feels like to me, Wembenyama is more intriguing because he's supposed to be otherworldly and unique. And we just haven't watched him a lot. Yeah, I do think even you're, you're right in terms of even in this era of social media, of video everywhere, of all of it, you, there still is an element of mystery surrounding Wembenyama. I mean, his some you know he's had games on locally um, for when he's playing in France, but uh, and in Spain and, and and over in Europe. But I think that when there, there is what causes a a player to really sort of transcend the um, the popularity line or wherever that is is when that player lures in the casual fan, and the casual fan has not been watching Wenbanyama. The casual fan just has heard about this seven five French dude, and he's supposed to be the greatest thing. So now they are coming in and checking in. And like, you know, kind of to your point, they don't have any real background on him. They didn't see him play in an NCAA tournament. They didn't see, um, you know, kind of a a any of the lead up to it. And so that element of mystery is there with him and it, you, to a much smaller degree for local fans in Minnesota, like the Ricky Rubio situation was the same thing. You saw kind of these grainy YouTube highlights a lot. You saw, you heard about you know, this, this wizard of a passer and all of this stuff. And, but when he came over, there was so much excitement about it because in part of, they really wanted to see if this was for real, if what they had been hearing and these sort of apocryphal stories were, um, were close to reality. And I think that now when Banyana on a much, much larger scale certainly has that he just has this body that is unbelievable to look at and you see him on the on the court and immediately you know this guy is different than anything else and so then to watch the way he moves to you know to try and see how he puts all of this together i i do think that there is uh kind of a a more of an intrigue surrounding his candidacy surrounding his his arrival in the league than certainly a lot of the um you know, the American players who are a little more well-known, who are at least have been in our, uh, on our screens and, and, and in our TV, you know, on our TVs in our homes a lot more than when Banyama has. So tell us about the Vegas experience as a whole. Uh, what are you seeing? What's going on with the Timberwolves youngsters? Uh, how many, you know, I mean, what, what should we be looking for out there? Yeah, I mean, I think so. They they played their first game on Friday, and they don't play again until Monday. But um, 
I, here's what I love about Vegas. Uh, Jim, I, I do not like coming here. I, I do not like being here in a blast furnace uh, for five or six days and, and all of that stuff. And I don't like the casinos. I don't like all this. What I do really enjoy, though, is I enjoy the completely irrational uh, hope that <laughs> is instilled in fans when they watch one Vegas Summer League game and one of their players does well. So um, they the, the the Wolves played yeah uh, on on Friday uh, the the debut of Leonard Miller. Um, and the reintroduction of Josh Minot to the Wolves Wolves Hive, and it's been several weeks since they've watched you know any NBA basketball Wolves fans, and so they're thirsty for that. They haven't seen the Wolves play since uh, you know April essentially, and so they're thirsty for some Wolves action. And then you go out and you get to see two very intriguing prospects, um, two guys who are these long armed. Uh, bouncy, springy athletes who can guard multiple positions, can get up and dunk a basketball, have good rebounders and things like that. And they both played well on Friday. And um, to see Wolves Twitter sort of explode, like, is really fun. Like, it it does you, – you, I'm not going to be the one that says, hey, pump the brakes, it's only been one game. I, I love to see fans being like, well, Leonard Miller, the next KG. Like, I – you know – there and and some of it is tongue in cheek, obviously, with with the way they look at it. But there is a real excitement, even though the Wolves do not have a first round pick that is debuting at Vegas this year. There is no Wembanyama on their team. There is no Scoot Henderson. There's none. There's none of that. Um, there are a couple of guys that are very uh, interesting players who could develop into not just useful players, but really effective players at the NBA level. And so watching you know, both Miller and Minot play uh, in the, in that opener, you could see a lot of the signs of things that, that the Wolves really like. And, and so um, to kind of understand and, and, and sense the excitement that was happening while fans were watching this, I, I just get a kick out of it every year. And, and it's, it's really fun to see some real excitement on there. Cause I, I do, I believe it's genuine. I think that the wolves really think highly of Minot and Miller and, um, and, and, and think that they could, you know, turn into real rotation players or more over the next year or two uh, in Minnesota. Okay. So let's have some fun dreaming because that's yeah. what a summer league is for. What is the absolute realist? I might be contradicting myself, but mm -hmm. what is the realistic high end on both those players. Yeah, I think um well we'll start let's start with Minot because he's been here for 2 years now. This is his second season. He did not play very much last season. Um he was a lot a lot of G League minutes and and really played well um in the G League. And the most interesting part about Josh Minot right now is that he has put a lot of focus on the defensive end. So I think that whenever you're looking at a player of his ilk, where he's like six, nine, he's skinny, six, eight, maybe he's skinny. Um, he can really jump. Uh, you're always thinking about the offensive side and man, it's fun to watch him go dunk a basketball and things like that. But I think that he has put a lot of focus on becoming another really reliable 
defensive player for this team. And so when you look firstly at the short-term prospects for him and the short-term outlook, I think he understands that the way to get onto the floor next season on a very, on a, what is a deep and talented team is he's got to be able to guard people. And so we saw um, in the opener against new Orleans on Friday, we saw him out on the perimeter guarding Dyson Daniels, who is the, the Pelicans second year point guard. He's a big point guard, but he's, you know, a guy who can handle it. Who's quick can get to the basket. And so to put a small forward power forward type of a player, on on Dyson Daniels, that tells you that the Wolves really believe that he has some versatility to him in terms of the positions that he's able to guard. And um, and so I think that I look at that for the short term as sort of a way for him to maybe force his way onto the court. Over the long term, you look at him as, you know, in, in an ideal world, in a perfect world, which we know always happens with the Timberwolves, the best case scenario always mm-hmm. plays out. Um, but he is a guy who can be, you know, a, a Jaden McDaniels type of a player. Mm. Um, you know, he has a lot of work to do on his shot, on his on his three point shot, and thing. But he is a crafty offensive player. Uh, he's smart. He can get to the glass. He has a just a real knack for grabbing rebounds, which we know this team needs all the rebounding help it can get. And so um, you could see. A, a scenario where if his development plane continues to go in the right direction, that he becomes a player who could be legitimately a sixth man type swing man, uh, three, four type of a player uh, who can knock down shots, get to the rim, dunk, uh, cut, you know, play off of other play off of his teammates. Um, and, you know, and, and maybe, you know, maybe if, if everything went perfectly, maybe he could eventually be a starter in this league. But uh, there's a lot of sort of physical tools and a lot of cool, like mental attributes that he has that make you think, all right, like this is more than just your typical second round pick who kind of comes in and and kind of you know, just just is stagnates and 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 doesn't really do a whole lot for you. I think that there are a lot of tools in his tool belt that make you think that he can be a very helpful player for this team short and long term. All right. Second half of the show, let's get to uh, Dame, Cat, the Western Conference, and the Feast of Collier. Right now, I want to let you know that we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. We want to thank longtime sponsor TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME. We've had Steve Terry on recently. We'll have him on again here soon. And what he always says is they don't want you to need an injury lawyer. But when you need an injury lawyer, you need a really good one, you need an ethical one. And in this case, uh, I don't know how it works in the other places. In this case, they will uh, not charge you unless they win your case. And they win so many cases, they've been able to put up billboards everywhere. They've built, uh, they've moved into beautiful new offices down in Bloomington. Uh, they're killing it. Uh, they're killing it because they help people. 612 TSR time, 612 TSR time. Also want to let you know about another longtime sponsor. All energy solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. All energy solar is ready to take any solar project from design to installation and everything in between. Find out more about going solar at allenergysolar.com slash coach. And of course, if you just go to allenergysolar.com, you'll find out everything you need to know about the solar world. All right. Uh, 
what do you think is going to happen with Dame Lillard? I certainly don't expect the Wolves to be involved in any trade for him, but of course it's a popular topic among fans because he's a big name. Yeah, he's a big name, and and essentially the salaries are close to working out between Towns and Lillard. Um, so it's totally understandable for the Wolves fan base to look at this and say, hey, is this, a, is this an opportunity for the Wolves to make a change, balance their roster a little bit more, and get going on it? I will say that if they had Damian Lillard, and Anthony Edwards um, and Rudy Gobert. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good trio, and they would feel pretty good about that. But like you said, Jim, at all indications, everything that I've gotten since I've been out here in Vegas for a few days, I, I don't see that scenario playing out. I don't think it's realistic. Um, I don't think Portland wants to go that route, and and I don't know that um, the there's been any there hasn't been any real conversations that I've been able to decipher between the Wolves and Portland because there's just neither neither side sees that as a realistic possibility to really, you know, waste time pursuing. So um, the the scuttlebutt out here, it, it seems to be when you talk to, you know, I've talked to a bunch of agents, I've talked to several executives with other teams, and it's what everyone is talking about. And there just seems to be an overall belief that eventually, at some point, Miami will find a way to get the pieces together to get Damian Lillard there. Um, the Heat front office is very resourceful, very good. Um, they understand right now, I believe, that they do not have enough to just do a one-to-one um, Heat Blazers trade to get Damian Lillard and entice the Blazers to part with their the best player they've ever had. So um, right now it seems like the, the efforts are to find a third team, find a fourth team, whatever, and construct some sort of monster sort of uh, trade package with parts and players going all over the place to allow Damian Lillard to end up in Miami and to um, get the Blazers enough young players and tr- and draft assets to justify moving off of the team you know the, the the franchise icon and sort of shifting into this rebuilding mode around Scoot Henderson around Shade and Sharp around some of their really nice young pieces so if the Blazers are going to go totally rebuild they have to get young pieces and they have to get draft picks and Miami doesn't have a whole lot of either of those to offer right now and so the pursuit is on to find some other teams to jump in and allow them to do that. But I think it's going to take some time. I don't get the sense out here. It doesn't feel like, you know, there's something imminent right now. Um, this might take a little while to put together. So I've been, I played a couple charity golf tournaments recently. I've been out talking to people a lot, uh, kind of your average Minnesota sports fans. My God, they hate Carl Anthony Towns. It's uh, crazy. I mean, they just hate him. They, they freaking hate It's like he's, it's like he, I mean, I, well, I don't, I won't use a tortured analogy, mm. uh, but they really can't stand him at all. And I'm like, holy, he's actually a, as far as I can tell, he's a nice human being. He has a good heart. He, and he's an excellent offensive player. And I think it could still work here. And they just don't want to hear it. Yeah. It's, it's gotten to be just insane in my eyes, Jim. Yes. Insane. Um, both, both locally. And certainly nationally too. I I I do not understand why Towns has now become 
like the pincushion that every person around the league, every fan, even like, you know, people within the league just love to take shots at. Now, let's put this out there. I mean, he has been not he has not helped his own cause with some of the podcast appearances he's he's made some of the statements that he has made uh, this summer. That's not helped things. But I've just never seen. Well, I don't say I want to say I don't say I've never seen. But at, at currently, I do not know of another player who gets so much criticism about what he says. Um, so much, you know, um, focus put on those types of things, and um, and, and and really to the point of it blinding people to the real talent that he is. Um, and, you know, I, I, I kind of have dug my heels in even a little bit more lately. And everyone I think who listens to this podcast, who reads what I write at the athletic will, will say that, well, John, you know, you've always been uh, in Towns's camp. And I will just say that from my perspective, it seeing how irrational some of the, the the uh attitude is toward him yes has made me more sympathetic to him because yeah yeah he said some silly stuff sometimes and he said some stuff that make you that makes you scratch your head or rolls your eyes but um he's coming off of a year where he missed a ton of time with injury we know that the transition to incorporating Rudy Gobert was tough on every player on that roster, Anthony Edwards included, you know, um, uh, everyone else. And yet Towns, for whatever reason, seems to face the brunt of it. Um, And I think it's unfair. I really do think that he is viewed unfairly uh, in the in the public eye. Like, I even go back to when the Timberwolves were eliminated by the Nuggets uh, in the playoffs, and ESPN's NBA app uh, app on Twitter put out a, the Timberwolves are, are gone, and, 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 like, had the video of Towns saying thank you to the fans after he was, after the Wolves were eliminated from Memphis the year before, and he had come out onto the court, said thank you, uh, you know, a wave of his hand, and it was a really like heartfelt moment. And Towns gets made fun of for that, like, mm-hmm. like, like that's something that he shouldn't have done. That it's something hilarious, and that's that it's memeable. When all like Towns was doing in that moment was just saying, "Hey, fans, this was a really fun season." I'm not talking about the Go Bear year. I'm talking about the year before. Right. This was a really fun season. Thanks for sticking by us. I appreciate it. And. Um, and somehow that was turned into, look at this silly guy, you know, um, towns can say I'm the best shooting big of all time and get, you know, real shit for it where Anthony Edwards can say I'm chasing Michael Jordan and that's totally fine. And that's charming. Yeah. And that's great. And I believe, I, I think that's great that Anthony Edwards says that. And I love that he's going for that. Um, but for towns, if he says something aspirational like that, all of a sudden it's a real big problem and it's, Oh, this guy's priorities are in the wrong, you know, are in the wrong place. And, um, and so I do, I just, I, I think it's unfair. Now, yes, he has to be better in the playoffs. He has not played particularly well in the playoffs. Anthony Edwards has um, some of the things that he says, including that, you know, the, the, the 
last year's Wolves team, what they accomplished was more impressive than what Denver accomplished this year. Like, yeah, that, th- those are those are silly things, but they don't have to be belabored. Like, they don't have to be acting like he um, is, is saying the earth is flat and um, and you know and um, and 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 things like that. It's not that crazy. He says some some silly stuff. Let it go. Like, I just I just I don't know. Yeah, it's been really weird and. The, the final thing on this rant is like you look at everything that he posts on social media and just look at the comments section and mm-hmm. it is vicious, like like beyond anything that any other player that I see goes through right now. And um, because he is a an NBA player, because he's an all star and an all NBA guy, he you know, he has to shut that out and he has to learn to live with that. But some of it's ridiculous. And. Um, and I just, I don't see why it's him, why it's gotten to that level. He can be criticized. He is not above criticism. He's not above like people kind of going after him sometimes for some of the things that he says, but the volume and sort of the overall, uh, toxicity of the way that he is commented on and, and stuff I think is, is totally out of uh, line with the person that he is and like in the career that he's had. Uh, well said and right on the money. He is not a villain. He is a no. talented basketball player who has some has more to prove. He is not a villain. Um, let's move on to quickly. Uh, well, actually, I'm going to save this topic for next week. We'll finish today. Once again, thanks to Aquarius Some Services. Thanks to TSR Injury Law. Thanks to AllEnergySolar.com. And thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. And we really do appreciate you listening to TalkNorth.com. Uh, check out the Viking Update show. Check out Jeff Diamond's show. Check out Chin Music with Roy Small and Lavelle Neal on the Twins. Uh, that, I love doing that show. Uh, lots of good sports. Lots of good outdoors. Lots of good variety stuff. Check it all out. And we do appreciate it. Uh, last note, uh, Nafisa Collier. In the last 14 months, she has given birth to a baby. She has returned to the NBA shortly after giving birth to a baby. She has uh, transformed herself from being a nice complimentary player to being a a star and maybe a superstar. She has started her own league. She's become a spokesperson for the WNBA franchise. Uh, this is this is stunning stuff. This is this is amazing stuff, and it's an absolute credit to her that she is capable of doing all these things at once. It's, I I would say all of that stuff, I agree, Jim. And I would also add that it's absolutely essential for the links that she has emerged in this fashion. Yep, They are clearly a team in transition away from what they were with Waylon and Brunson and Moore and, and Augustus and, and fouls. And they are trying to, move through this period of whatever it's rebuild or, or, or reinvent and, and to another phase of competitive basketball, uh, you know, in the market for the franchise. And so to have a player like Nafisa Collier sort of rise to the occasion and become a legit face of the franchise player, um, on and off the court is just the absolute, thing that every franchise needs the most. You need that 10 pole star player. Now, is she going to be to the level of what Maya Moore was when she when she was at her height or Fowles was when she was at her height? Is she going to be an MVP caliber player? I don't know about that, but at least for right now, she is an all-star level player who is 
certainly raising the game and the level play of her teammates around her as they've, as they've battled back to 500 after that bad start um, and showing that she can, she can both do things on the court and then, and then be the, the, the guiding light off of it as well. And those are real, those types of players are really, really hard to find. And so for the links to have that now in the fairly early stages of this transition period, uh, I think it really is just going to make things much easier and make the process much smoother for them as they go forward over the next couple of years. And it's Collier and it's Diamond Miller and it's and 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 the and the core reassembles to to get them back to uh, a real competitiveness and real contention um, in in the WNBA, which is where the links belong. I think she's gone from being a top twenty player in the league to maybe being a top five. And that is a massive jump. No doubt. It's it's the hardest one to make, Jim. Yep. It's like you, you going from mediocre good to really, really good, like that's difficult. Going from really good to great is is really hard. But going from great to like the elite, that's the hardest thing because the league itself, just like the NBA, but the WNBA is deeper in talent than it's ever been. Um there are twelve is, teams, you know, 12 so teams. every team's an all-star team fantastic players right at the top of the food chain. So if she can wedge her way into that top 10, top eight, top five conversation, that's, that's Mount Rushmore. Like that's hard, hard, hard to do. So, um, a credit to all that, to the way she's bounced back and, 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 and gotten back into a rhythm after being out, uh, with, with the baby's arrival and then taking her game to another level, even, um, you know, yeah, it's 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 been remarkable to watch. Good stuff, John. Enjoyed it. Uh, we'll see you when you get back home. Thanks to everyone who listens to the John Krasinski Show.